Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My friends, I am Vivian McPeak, and this is Hemp Present. If you have feedback or would like to suggest a guest or topic for Hemp Present, email me at hempresent at gmail.com. Today's guest on Hemp Present, Heather Manus RN, is a native New Mexican and registered nurse specializing in all aspects of medical cannabis care. Nurse Heather began her career as a registered nurse providing psychiatric home health care to patients in New Mexico. She has extensive background and experience in natural healing modalities and herbal remedies, some of which she obtained from her close association with Hispanic and Native American healers in New Mexico. Her vast knowledge and holistic approach to individualized patient care have been the cornerstone of her success as a nurse, educator, entrepreneur, and promoter of health. And I'm excited to have her right here with me today to tell you so much more. Welcome back, Heather, to Cannabis Radio. Hello, Vivian. Thank you for having me on your show today. I'm excited to chat with you. Yes, I should really say welcome back to Hemp Present because you're often on Cannabis Radio and we will get to that. Um, You are a registered nurse and also a practitioner in natural healing modalities. Now, let me go out on a limb with the characterization and please correct me if I get anything wrong. America largely has a pharmaceutical-based medical system where a doctor might spend an average of seven minutes with the patient, largely to determine what petrochemical-based drug they will prescribe to treat that patient's condition. A A naturopathic doctor might look for deficiencies or imbalances within the patient's system and then provide the body the support and nutrients it needs to achieve healing. Am I, am I far off base? No, you, it sounds pretty good. I mean, you, you did your homework there, Vivian. Um, you know, me, regular healthcare as we know it is very much pharmaceutically based. And you're right, physicians don't spend much time with patients. And naturopaths really do look at systems and connections and energetic uh, lines of flow to make sure that the hot and cold is just right and, and that balance is obtained. But you're a cannabis nurse as well. Can you explain to us how cannabis fits into this scenario? What does cannabis medicine offer that we will not find in conventional allopathic or naturopathic medicine? Well, and I like to look at cannabis and just say, you know, cannabis, a lot of times people will say cannabis is a gateway drug. And I say, actually, cannabis is a gateway to health. And one of the cool things about cannabis is that when you start to use it to balance your body systems and you use it to relax or to sleep or to reduce your pain, that you find that um, in a lot of in a lot of ways, you'll have more energy and you'll be more thoughtful and you'll put your time into doing things that 
are better for your body. You know, I think that stoner stereotype of um, lazy on the couch, eating Cheetos, watching Netflix and, and getting fat and out of shape isn't necessarily um, associated with cannabis anymore. We're seeing more uh, lifestyle changes that are happening where people will use cannabis and then go for a hike or spend time in nature um, or go or garden or something of that nature. So uh, cannabis can really help to increase our quality of life. And that's what we see uh, clinically is if nothing else, it helps patients feel better. And that's what we're going for. And just add that cannabis is also a gateway to economic recovery, but that's, that's for an entirely different show. Um, when, when we say you're a cannabis nurse, we're not talking about the sexualized cosplay 420 nurses that one might see at a cannabis event, but an actual medical practitioner specializing in the medicinal aspects of cannabis and the endocannabinoid system. How did this aspect of your approach to medicine evolve? How did Nurse Heather become Canon Nurse Heather? Oh, that's, a, that's kind of a long story. I've, always, I've had a relationship with cannabis personally, since I was about 15 years old. But um, I really learned about the medical benefits of cannabis when I started seeing patients that were utilizing it. And I was able to ask them how they were using it, why they were using it, what benefits they saw. And I really began to understand more about cannabis as medicine, which led me to learn more um, through conferences and science and research to really start to understand the endocannabinoid system. So when we talk about cannabis nurses, what we're really talking about are nurses that have learned about the endocannabinoid system and are caring for that system in patients. Nurses have specialties in general, um, but unfortunately we're not taught about the endocannabinoid system in nursing school or medical school for that matter. So the, when once you learn about this system, it kind of, uh, I always say it blows the top of your head off. You kind of go, wow, why didn't I learn about this sooner? It makes everything else make a little more sense. And uh, cannabis nurses are nurses who understand the endocannabinoid system. Uh, Heather, the, the landscape is really evolving in terms of public and professional awareness of the medicinal promise that cannabis offers what kind of reaction have you had from the mainstream medical community, both initially and also more recently, uh, to your canon nurse identity and practice? Have you experienced any pushback, criticism from the allopathic medical community over your being a very public proponent of cannabinoid, cannabinoid therapeutics? And if so, has that been changing as awareness of the medicinal properties of cannabis has evolved? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I think in the early days, you know, I would gauge the, the audience. <laughs> Who was I talking to? Whether I would tell them that I was a cannabis nurse or not. Um, over time, I, I've become less um, nervous to disclose that. Definitely in the nursing community, we are still at risk, Vivian. There are nurses that are losing their jobs. They're losing their licenses. Um, and some of these nurses, when they lose their license because they're using cannabis, they actually get a criminal record. And so it's it's just stifles a, a nurse's ability to take care of herself with her livelihood and her profession. And so... Um, there is a lot of pushback still. I think in the earlier days, you would get like eye rolls from people. Now that it's become more mainstream, you're getting more curiosity, but it's not 
that, you know, nurses and doctors are not motivated to seek out this information. They don't even know that they should Google the endocannabinoid system. And so a lot of the work that I do is try to be loud, try to be out there because I'm not afraid to be judged by um, traditional, you know, healthcare practitioners. I want them to know that there is an endocannabinoid system and that it's vital to healthcare and it's vital to our well being and balance. And it's vital that doctors and nurses are knowledgeable about this system so that when they start seeing patients, which they already are, there's legal access across the country. Um, when they start seeing these patients, they can have intelligent conversations with their patients about their cannabis use. And, and, and not culture profile them, right? Yeah, that's, that's right. And because a lot of it, there's, there's judgment that comes into it. And sometimes healthcare providers don't even realize that they have a judgment. They just think that they're right, that that's the way that it is. Um, and if they're not seeking out that information to be more well-informed, they're really missing the boat on having those conversations with patients that want to have those conversations with us, but they're not going to have those conversations if they feel judged or stigmatized in any way. Speaking of the nursing community, you are a founding member of Cannabis Nurses Network, a global network of nurses educated in the cannabinoid system and cannabis medicine. What more can you tell us about the Cannabis Nurses Network and what kind of programs or projects uh, are you involved in? Oh, I love the network. We have, you know, just a great group of nurses that are all wanting to network together to support one another, love one another. The mission of Cannabis Nurses is to empower nurses through education, opportunity, recognition, and advocacy. And those are our four cornerstones of our network. We take them all very seriously. And everything that we do um, revolves around one of those four cornerstones. So we do provide continued education. We do an annual conference every year um, for continued education. We have a, a really robust online platform with, we have our own app and everything, Vivian. It's so cool for us to be able to support one another in our personal endeavors, as well as uh, collaborating together to take on bigger things like nursing protections and, and advocacy for nurses and their professional um, protection. Wow, how cool, how, how kind of groundbreaking that is. Um, Heather, I want to get into the exciting new projects that you're involved in after the coming break. But before we do, um, I'm really interested in uh, your development as a proponent of natural healing was partially influenced by your interactions with Hispanic and Native American healers in New Mexico, uh, where you're based. What can you tell us about that? How did all that transpire? Well, I was born and raised in the Four Corners area of New Mexico, right on the Navajo Reservation, right on the border of the Navajo Reservation. And um, I, I married an, a Navajo man and I have native children. And um, it was just part of the culture that I was raised in, in that area. There's a heavy influence of Hispanic culture as well as Native American culture. And I just had the wonderful opportunity to be mentored and taught and loved. Um, by so many amazing healers, both in my family and my extended family and my friends. And uh, I just gathered up that information like a sponge from the time I was young. And it just helped build who I am and what my knowledge base has, has become. So is that more like plant-based medicine? 
Yeah, plant-based medicines or, you know, going out, understanding nature, understanding what plants are used for what, um, how to collect and gather up those um, those herbs or those plant resins or whatever it is that we're working with, even to know where to go dig clay to make pottery, um, all of all of that, just knowing the land, being one with the land and knowing how to utilize what's there for self-sustainability. Um, I learned traditional medicine making where we would gather together uh, with the family, the women would make the medicine and then we would disperse that throughout the community. So I had ingrained in me natural ways of staying healthy and utilizing nature to support our human experience um, from those cultural standpoints. And I just feel really blessed to have had those wonderful and teachers in my life try to uh, share what I do know with others along my journey. Uh, we have a little under a minute to the first break, but when cannabis is federally legalized, when, when prohibition is defeated, do you anticipate that cannabis medicine will slowly penetrate uh, mainstream medicine? I don't think it's going to be slow. I think it's going to happen quickly. Um, you know, I worry a little bit about about things for our industry because I do see that big pharma is going to come in pretty hard, pretty hot and heavy. They've kind of been sitting in the wings waiting for this federal um, descheduling and, and legalization. Um, but I do believe that, you know, the home grow, just being able to grow cannabis in your garden, like tomatoes is going to be a healthy way. Um, also having, you know, the, the industries state to state that, that you'll be able to access adult use cannabis, um, as well as we'll start to see an even bigger presence than what we're currently seeing with like GW pharmaceuticals and whatnot. We'll start seeing a lot more um, cannabis preparations made through the pharmaceutical com companies. Time to roll out for the people that let us have present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Dylan Oglesby is a 22-year-old who was born a micro-preemie, or born very prematurely at just 26 weeks. Dylan was born with hydrocephalus, resulting in brain damage and initial frontal lobe damage, which caused him to have intractable epilepsy. He suffers grand mal seizures, which damage his brain, killing neurons and further worsening his condition. Not surprisingly, cannabis significantly lessens Dylan's suffering, but the Iron Curtain of federal cannabis prohibition creates arbitrary obstacles to Dylan's quest for relief, as well as thousands of other Americans seeking to lessen their suffering. Dylan's mother, Angel, has joined me today to tell us about their family's quest to find relief for Dylan and about their journey to justice. Welcome, Angel, to Cannabis Radio. Hello. Did I get everything right on my introduction? Yes, everything is perfect. Uh, Angel, Dylan was born a micro preemie at just 26 weeks. Uh, he must have been extremely small. Did you know in advance that there would be complications in your birth, or, or was that an unexpected development for you? It was completely unexpected. I actually went to the doctor the morning that um, of the night that I gave birth to him, and everything was perfect. And and when did you find out that 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 there are issues? Um, he had his first seizure at three days old, um, and they also found he was developing hydrocephalus at three days old. Wow, that must have been uh, really traumatic for you. Um, I looked it up, and what I learned was hydrocephalus is a condition in which an accumulation of cerebrospinal fluid occurs within the brain, which can cause increased pressure inside the skull. And, and I read that older people may experience headaches and double vision, poor balance, personality changements, uh, changes, or even mental impairment. Uh, what have Dylan's symptoms been? 
Um, since it developed so early and it um, varies from getting really bad, um, he actually has two VP shunts. He's had 16 brain surgeries. Um, it's destroyed a lot of areas of his brain. And he has a lot of secondary physical conditions, right? He does. He has cerebral palsy. Um, he has autism. He has severe neuropathy all over his body from the brain damage, um, the irretractable epilepsy, um, just the numerous different conditions. Life must be very hard for him, huh? It is very hard and unfair. It's very hard for me. Um, being his 24-7 caregiver, it, I just want him to, you know, have a somewhat normal life. It's, it's just, it's devastating. I imagine this must have been economically devastating for you guys as well. Yes, I'm unable to work at all now due to his decline. Um, I have no income currently. That That's really devastating trying to you know, I don't want to put my son in a facility where he doesn't know anyone. I want to be there for him and 24-7, which means I can't work. And in the state that I'm currently in, we don't have caregiver pay. Um, and most legal states do have caregiver pay. Where are you at right now? What state are you in? I am in Georgia. Okay, so you're still in Georgia. Um, God, Angel, yeah. Dylan must... Must, must just have to be extremely brave and strong to endure his daily reality. And you must be uh, required to be strong as well. And I imagine at some points it's been really, really difficult and it must be just tremendously hard on you. And, and I just you know, want to honor you and your commitment to Dylan right now. Um, what can you tell us about Dylan? What kind of a person is he? What brings him joy? What interests him? Um, Dylan is 22, but he's, um, a lot like a child. I would say some days five-year-old, some days a 10-year-old, but some days he's like a regular boy. He really enjoys going to Hooters <laughs> before the pandemic. <laughs> he loves being, he calls him his hot babe. Um, <laughs> he's very funny. He's, He's very serious, but uh, he lives in a lot of fear. Um, recently, he's been able to know when a bad seizure is coming, and a fear comes over him that terrifies him, and he grabs me and says, Mom, please don't let me die. Please don't let me die. And that is, there's no words for how that makes a parent feel. I, I can't imagine everything that you're going through, um, and it sounds to me like Dylan is extremely lucky to have you. Um, as his mom, um, I want to get into the the, the the subject matter that that we have to deal with here. And, and in 2015, the state of Georgia passed a law allowing patients with certain medical conditions to use cannabis medicinally. Uh, Dylan was one of the first patients to be issued a state medical cannabis card. Can you tell us about what the process of obtaining uh, cannabis was like for you and what happened the first time that Dylan tried cannabis to treat the effects of his condition? Um, we actually help fight for that law, and it's pretty simple. You go to a doctor who deems, you know, you have one of the conditions to get your cannabis card. You go to a health department, you pay a little fee, you pick up a cannabis card, and then that's where it gets tricky. You're left with just your card. We have no, it is for low THC, I want to clarify, not high THC, very low amounts of oil only. Um, we have no way to access that. There's no dispensaries. There's no way to get that without breaking the law. Well, that's, 
it's so, so, so the law is kind of go ahead it's 2021 that was 2015 and there's still no way for anyone with a car to legally access the low thc oil well that sounds like when when in the old days when the government uh issued a tax stamp for for people that wanted to grow hemp um but there was you had to have a tax stamp but there was no <laughs> there was no tax stamp um so how does Dylan access cannabis? Can you can you answer that? Or does um, he? I will I will answer that. We have um um someone that does give us low THC oil. Um once we have it, it's legal for us to have. Um, without going into too many areas of saying, you know, details about that. That helped him tremendously. And late 2015 i got really frustrated after i saw what the low thc oil was doing so we moved to colorado where he was able to experience what high thc good quality medical high thc would do for him that was a life-changing experience um he thrived he went two years almost without any seizures um he lived his best he lived his best life, and unfortunately, due to a very nasty divorce, me and my children ended up stuck back in Georgia. Wow. So you have a law which is basically meaningless for people in yes. that state, right? Yes. I, mean, I think that's... there's 18,000 patients, I believe that's the number in Georgia now, with cards and no access. Wow, that's crazy. Um, that's, that's just crazy. Um, what, what happened when, when Dylan took THC? I mean, what was his, what was his reaction? Um, within an hour or two, he's a completely different person. His stutter, he has a hard time speaking sometimes. It completely goes away. His tremors, um, from brain damage and different issues, he has tremors all over his body. Those go away. And he, there's a light that comes on inside of him, and it's beautiful and wonderful. And um, he, he just becomes a different person. He, he's so relieved. He smiles. He's able to, you know, do things that he would never be able to do without that. Um, all the seizure meds he's tried, which he's tried numerous ones since he was born, they killed his spirit they caused more seizures his hair fell out on one of the medications Keppra and he started harming himself that and the doctors just said that was a side effect with cannabis he had none of those side effects except for just joy and no seizures wow that is just really profound um I, I mentioned to you before we started taping that on this show I've had the parents of children with similar conditions uh, I've had parents from uh, South Africa, England, Ireland, uh, New Zealand, uh, Australia, and the stories are all identical. The only thing different is uh, the accent on those people. They're going through the same things. Their children are having the same reactions. Uh, I had a parent that had a child that was nonverbal, tried cannabis oil, and started talking, and they didn't even realize that their kid understood language. Um, or children that's been in a wheelchair that 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 got up and was was trying to walk for the first time ever uh, after they gave the child cannabis oil. Um, I mean, 
Uh, so, wow, Angel, uh, changing the laws must be very important to you. Yes, it, it's one of my life's goals. Like, it, it affects my son. It affects so many people I came in contact with. It's an unjust law. It's an unfair law. It, we're the United States of America. It shouldn't matter where my bed is or where I, my home is. I should have access to save my son's life. It, it's life or death for us. Concludes this installment of Hamburgers on Cannabis Radio. I want to thank Brasco, my man in the control room, and all the Cannabis Radio sponsors and advertisers. Join me next week for some more reefer repartee and cannabis confabulation with some special hemp opium on our journey to justice as we silence the violence, increase the peace, and promote unity in the cannabis community with impunity. Because when it comes to prohibition, you have the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice. Find your voice and speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. Until then, my friends, stay strong, stand tall, take it easy. The present theme song, Take Back the Plants, performed by Stickerbush. Turn up the music, Maestro, because I'm out. Marijuana! The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.